All right, folks, we're back here, uh, joined by uh, Al Gross, Dr. Al Gross. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me today. You have a good radio voice. Thank you. You know, people have come up and said that to me for years and years, and at one point I had a chance to do radio, but I was in school and didn't have time to do it, but it's uh, uh, this has been a great experience to get more experience on the radio. I just noticed you're, you're, you have a very large hands. You could probably pick up a whole basketball, can't you? I can. I have size nine hands. Um, I'm, a, I'm able to hold surgical instruments, fortunately, but every now and then I need to get my fingers deep in a wound, but they've served me really well as a commercial fisherman throughout my life, too. So you've been in the news a little bit um, lately. I first heard of you when you wrote an opinion piece a while back about health care, cost of health care. Um, that was about a year or two ago, I guess, right? Uh, I don't know exactly how long ago it was, but yes, I think my first piece was about healthcare. And you're you're a doctor, so I assume you know a little bit about that. I hope I, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I went through the Whammy program here in Alaska, starting in uh, Fairbanks for my first year, and did my uh, following three years down in Seattle. Uh, but as a doctor in Alaska, I've, I've uh, been involved in healthcare from Metlakatla all over Southeast Alaska, Anchorage, Fairbanks, uh, Bethel. Uh, Kotzebue and even no attack. So I've I've um, got a great deal of experience of uh, uh, what it's like to um, uh, be involved with healthcare throughout Alaska. So so you went to school a bit in was it Washington, I guess, for the for the Whammy program. Yeah, I went to the University of Washington for my medical school, which was in conjunction with the University of Alaska, and then I did my orthopedic surgery residency at the University of Michigan in Ar- in Ann Arbor. And I, and I should mention that I met my wife, Monica, on the very first day of when the class came together in Seattle, and we started dating. We became friends and started dating towards the end of fourth year, and she moved out to Ann Arbor with me, and she's a pediatrician and did her residency in Ann Arbor while I was doing my orthopedic surgery residency. Oh, wow. So orthopedic, that's like the knees and the kind of that elbow, elbow, stuff like that, right? Arms, legs, shoulders, spine, feet. So you're doing like the knee, knee, knee replacements or somebody tears an ACL? Yep, I did a lot of knee replacements, a lot of ACL reconstructions, uh, rotator cuff repairs. I did a lot of uh, hand surgery and a d- lot of trauma. Where did you pra- mostly practice in Alaska or did you pra- practice in Ann Arbor or were you just going to your residency there? No, no. As soon as I finished my residency, uh, Monica and I loaded up our car that evening and drove a thousand miles on our way home. I was really, really missing home. Uh, Alaska is... Um, as you'll probably learn more, as you learn more about me, I really care about the state and I was anxious to get home. So we drove a thousand miles that first day and I started my practice in Juneau, my hometown, um, shortly thereafter. And my practice was in Juneau and in Petersburg throughout my career. So you, you said you were, you were born in Juneau? Yes, sir. I was born in 1962 in Juneau. Oh, right after statehood. Right after statehood. So uh, we'll talk about, you know, you're sounding like you're about to run for, for Senate, U.S. Senate. But um, when I was reading about you, I, I um, read that your dad was an attorney general. Uh, that's right. Dad actually has a great history with the state. When he first came to Alaska, uh, he went to law school at the University of Michigan and took a job with the state of Alaska, the Department of Law, shortly after or immediately after law school. And uh, uh, um, a young uh, legislator 
from uh, Naknik named Jay Hammond, hmm. uh, became friends with my dad and convinced Governor Bill Egan, Alaska's first governor, to create a special assistant for fisheries. So my dad was appointed to be that and actually got an exemption from the United States Supreme Court uh, because of his age. He was only 25 at the time, and he went to Washington, D.C. and argued against fish traps uh, as being unconstitutional and won the case at just the age of 25 and threw out fish traps from the rivers uh, in Alaska. And these fish traps were owned by large Seattle-based companies, and this led to the uh, development of the independent Alaskan fishermen. This is the whole fight that, you know, 100 years ago that the Seattle folks would come up and take all the fish and then, you know, rob us. And that was kind of the history of Alaska. You know, it seems like that, not just that, there's other resources for a long time that people would. Uh, Stephen, you know Stephen Haycox? Uh, yes, a, I do. So I took a history degree from UA, but he wrote, wrote a book, Alaska, an American Colony. Yes. It talks about the history of all the, but the fish one was a pretty, pretty big one. I mean, there was. And unfortunately, that's still going on in Alaska, as many people know. And as you know, Jay went on to become the governor of Alaska, and he appointed Dad as uh, his attorney general, and together the two of them created the Permanent Fund and the Permanent Fund Dividend. And I got to know Jay very well throughout my childhood. And as a teenager, uh, Jay and I were very close, and I spent a lot of time with Dad and Jay, just the three of us, over at the governor's mansion shooting pool. We're on duck hunting trips, talking about the future of Alaska, and it was a very exciting, stimulating time. And I felt a tremendous sense of responsibility towards the state and I shared their sense of responsibility even though I was just a kid. So what was, what was Hammond like? I mean, he, he, was a, he was a hunting guide, wasn't he? One of his things he did? Uh, yeah, and he was a bush pilot, as, as you all know. He, had, he, t- he told great stories. He had a great sense of humor. He loved to wink. He had a bright, twinkly eye. And I remember I was once in a, in a, driving our boat in a storm, and the two of them were down below, and I was going a little bit too fast. I was up on the flying bridge, and I buried the bow into a wave, and everything went flying down below, and I slowed huh. the boat down. And uh, after uh, I got control of the boat, Jay came up, uh, opened the door, and looked up around the corner at me and winked at me with a little smile and said, uh, how's it going up here? And, uh, you know, that's just the kind of guy he was. He was always looked at things from a humorous point of view, and I really loved that about him. Did you ever go out to, uh, I guess, where's his place on the lake in Penborough over there? Or? You mean Lake Clark? Lake Clark, yeah. No, I, I did not. My dad did. I would have loved to have gone there. Uh, I know Bella also quite well, and if I ever get the opportunity to go out to their place, I've seen pictures of it. Mm-hmm, it, enough, it yeah. I would love to go. So th- your dad was born here too, or he mo- like moved here when he was? No, dad moved in, uh, moved up here in 1960, right after statehood with my mom. You you were born in 62, huh? So and I was born after. in 1962. Yeah, we lived in this small little house on Barron's Avenue, just up, up above the high school in Juneau. And dad was out of town uh, at a um, at a law conference uh, with Alaska's current attorney general at the time, and an avalanche went through our house and filled the house full of snow when my mom was nine months pregnant with me and my sister was only one. Uh, So that was uh, her introduction to Alaska and uh, the overwhelming response of the community to help dig the house out and help to make sure she was okay was was really a heartwarming experience and a great way to see how people uh, look after each other here in Alaska. So you you grew up in Juneau, went to school in Juneau your whole? Yes, I did. So I just spent, I was telling you before that we started, I spent four months there for the session covering the legislature. I've been there before for, you know, a couple of days here and there, but it's a, it's a really interesting town, especially the political side of it, you know, and the, during the session, it's everybody's kind of just downtown. I mean, some people live in, 
the valley or Auk Bay, but it's just a really um, interesting little town, especially when the cruise ships start coming coming in. Juno's got some really amazing character, some amazing attributes. It's got some of the best hiking in the entire world. Uh, it's just a spectacular place on a nice day, and these days we've been having a lot more nice days than it seems like back when I was a kid uh, with climate change. But uh, I just saw it was. 80 degrees in Juneau for yeah, so many days. Yeah, it's been 80 the whole week, I think, in Juneau. And, you know, the whole all of Southeast is really experiencing a drought that a lot of us never would have anticipated. Well, on the fire, too, right now is down here. That's right. So let's um, let's kind of speed up to, you know, now you're, there's been word for a while you're going to be running for the U.S. Senate against uh, Dan Sullivan's up next year for his first, first, first term, end of his first term. That's right. Uh, you know, I've got really deep roots in the state. And I care about the state a great deal. Uh, I don't like the direction that our state, or, state and our country are, is going. And I don't see Dan Sullivan as leading Alaska. And I see him as being on the wrong side of the issues that I think are important to me and to most, Alaska, uh, most Alaskans. And so I'm stepping up to lead the state in the right direction. Have you run for office before? Or? No, I've never run for office before. I've been a leader in everything I've done. I was president of my class in high school. I was captain of the ski team in college. I was president of Juno Bone and Joint Center in Juno and president of the medical staff. I've been a leader in everything I've done, but I've never run for office. But then again, Dan Sullivan had never run for office, and neither had Donald Trump. That's true. Yeah, those are those are true good points. So wh- why the U.S. Senate? I mean, I know you've written about health care a lot. That's an issue you've been talking about. Um, you know, th- that's the, the kind of the big one, you know, the U.S. Senate compared to Congress or the legislature. So why the, why the U.S. Senate? I, I think it's important for me to go to the United States Senate because I'm really passionate about fixing health care in Alaska. And health care in Alaska is intertwined with the economy uh, in so many different ways. And the ultimate discussion and the, and the uh, battle for uh, fixing health care will occur in the United States Senate. And I very much want to be a part of that. I want to fix the economy in Alaska. I want to fix health care in Alaska for people. And I want to fix it for the rest of the country. And I should just note that I'm a nonpartisan. My father was a Democrat. Jay Hammond was a Republican. And I grew up in a very functional, bipartisan administration. And when, it, when I turned 18, I chose to be a nonpartisan because it seemed like, to me, that meant just being an Alaskan. And I've never been one for um, uh, being super allegiant to one party or another. And I think party politics is what's gotten our state and our country into a great deal mm-hmm. of trouble. So would you, do you plan on running in, in the Democratic primary as a nonpartisan or independent? In Alaska, the Alaska Democratic Party, or I'm sorry, the Alaska Democratic primary is an open primary. And so, yes, I will run as a nonpartisan in the Democratic primary. And if I win, I will then run against Dan Sullivan in the general. And if I win there, I will plan on caucus with caucusing with the Democrats because they are the ones most motivated to fix health care. I really believe that the Republicans had their chance to do this. And in fact, two years ago, when Dan Sullivan ran away from the health care issue and voted against the ACA and uh, voted against pre-existing conditions and keeping kids on your on insurance plans, uh, that really triggered something in me and made me want to step up and fix it for the state. So healthcare is interesting. I lived in Australia for a year in 2017. And I've I've always been really critical of our healthcare system just because for a long time I didn't have insurance. I I was in school and then I had you know a job with, with without insurance and it just sucks because a lot of people just worry about if I get sick or if I get hurt. Um, and now I have you know the exchange before I had a job which provided insurance. But when I was in Australia, it was fascinating because you know everybody 
has some level, they have a single payer basically. So people have insurance. It's not through the employer. You don't worry about losing your job. You know, you don't, you don't, you have it. But you also have a private market that you can buy private insurance. I mean, what do you, like, what's, what, what, you're a doctor, so you know, I mean, the costs in Alaska are really, really high. I think the highest in the country. How do we fix the cost, but then how do we get people to not have to worry about losing their insurance or even getting insurance, um, you know, through work or a spouse or what, what my, whatever it might be? Right, well, it's a you big know, question. Yeah, healthcare is actually a little bit complicated. Uh, Trump was right about that. And I feel like if we don't send somebody to the Senate who understands healthcare, Alaska's gonna end up getting the same bad deal it got uh, out of the Obamacare. Uh, I've been and worked in other countries uh, in orthopedic surgery. I've uh, worked in in Auckland, New Zealand, with two of the best oh, orthopedic I, surgeons. I was in New Zealand for uh, and, too. Yeah, I worked with two of the best orthopedic surgeons there. Um, I was involved in healthcare in um, Polyne- in uh, Tahiti at one point. I've been uh, uh, I've been around healthcare in Canada and Mexico, so I've seen other systems I, I could go on. There's other countries that I've been to that uh, participated in the healthcare system. And yeah, there is a, there are better ways to do, uh, to deliver healthcare uh, in such a way that uh, doesn't bankrupt people. Uh, they don't spend hours and hours on the phone with insurance companies. But you know, you should note that it's taken 80 years for our system to develop to the point that it is currently today. And I don't think it's realistic for us to snap our fingers and suddenly have a system that New Zealand has or England or Canada. And I don't think that necessarily is best for America. Alaska's got a really complicated system because we have such a successful Indian health service system. There are a lot of veterans who are happy with their healthcare system. Uh, There are a number of people who are happy with what they have and don't want to change it. Uh, But there are also a large number of people who are very unhappy with with what they have. So how do we get to a system where everybody's happy and not change or not pull the rug out on uh, or out from under where people are happy? And I think, you know, healthcare, you have to tailor it for different places and different people. And I think in Alaska, people like to have choices. And I, I've i seen the system in New Zealand where everyone's eligible for a public system, but they have the option of buy, buying supplemental private insurance. And I think that's a system that would work ultimately really well in the United States. But I don't think well, that's one that we should start with. And I'm not, a, I'm not a Medicare for all guy. I don't think that's the right answer for our state or our country right now. At some point, we may want to work towards that direction. But first, we need to gain the confidence of people uh, who are skeptical about the possibility of government being involved in their health care. Of course, it is already in a major way because government is very much involved with Medicare and Medicaid. But there, nonetheless, there's still some skeptics. And I think having a public option where people can buy into a Medicare-like system at cost at nobody else's expense is probably the best way to start. But I'm definitely open to that discussion, and I certainly don't know all the answers, but I do understand what works or, or what is working in Alaska and what most Alaskans feel about their healthcare system. So, so, so I'd what, like to have that discussion. So, I mean, what are what are some of the reasons the cost of healthcare in Alaska is so high? I mean, I've had personal, you know, you an X-ray or a CT scan or something, and you kind of look at the cost. You're like, you know, you, I've called Seattle or LA just to kind of see, and it's just staggering sometimes the the additional costs here in, in Alaska for 
sometimes simple things and, and especially complex things like surgeries. Right. Well, let's not confuse the words cost with prices um, because it actually well, price, it yeah, actually yeah. doesn't cost much more to practice uh, medicine in Alaska than it does in other places. We have extra labor costs. We've got shipping costs. Our malpractice rates are not any higher here than they are anywhere else. But in fact, we do have uh, geographic isolation um, and subsequent monopolies because of that. And you know, all, we all know what happens with monopolies. You can charge more. And that's exactly what's happened. And in, insurance companies have not been in a position to negotiate prices lower in, like they have in other places where there's a lot more competition. Do you think there's any level of price fixing? I mean, in some of the industries where there's only a few doctors doing certain things, they kind of say, hey, we'll keep the price here? Or? I, I I hope hope not. I've never been part of that, and I've never uh, heard people colluding in that nature. Uh, when I came back to Juneau, my hometown, and started practicing orthopedic surgery, I had no idea how much money to charge. They don't teach you that in residency, and I was told to call, really? call an insurance company, and so I called Blue Cross, and they were happy to tell me what the usual and customary rates were for my area for the top 20 surgical codes. And so that's how I started my so, prices. I mean, a, a lot of it in healthcare, it's, it's you know based on the codes, right? There's a book and it, everything's got a code. And I have a friend who used to work in medical billing and she tried, kind of tried to explain it to me. And basically she said, you know, you have to really understand how these codes work to understand how the costs work. Well, that's true. And there's certainly manipulation and uh, manipulation of the codes where you can bill two or three operations instead of just one operation. There's lots of ways to uh, manipulate the billing system. And uh, some people do that. And but I, I think, you know, there's a lot more to health care problems in Alaska than just the prices. We've got to improve coordination of care. We've got to work on uh, bringing down the price, the high price of drugs. Uh, I'm a big fan of using telemedicine because people live in remote areas and I think it's, it doesn't make sense to uh, make them come to your town to get your wound checked when you can just take a picture of it or go online to look at it and save, save a person sometimes a great deal of money to come in for, uh, for an office visit. So let's um, maybe kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, Trump, I'm, Trump's an interesting character, you know, I mean, I, I think he's a very odd guy in a lot of ways. Um, but when it comes to Alaska, you know, if I want to talk to you about Anwar and you know, this, this, some of the road, Eisenbeck Road, and then recently there's this transfer of this 1.3 million acre transfer um, that Joe Baylash announced at the resource development. It's like a the state is getting 1.3 million acres from the federal government. So, you know, I'd, I'd say from the perspective of Alaskans, I mean, we've fared not, not you know, pretty well comparatively under Trump. Um, so let's talk about Anwar. I mean, are you pro drilling Anwar or against that? And how, how do you feel about what the Senate and Congress voted on last? Um, you know, the, Anwar was tagged with, with the tax bill. Mm -hmm. And I'm in favor of Anwar development. I was sorry to see that it was tagged to the tax bill because I don't think the upper 1% needed a tax cut. Uh, the middle class are the people that need a tax cut. And the tax, um, the tax bill was definitely in favor of the rich. Uh, but no, I'm very much in favor of the de development of Anwar. I think it can be done in an environmentally 
a conscientious way, which I think is critical. And I, in fact, I was just up on the North Slope. I was in Prudhoe Bay in Barrow last week. And it's, oh, the nice. first, it's the first time I'd ever been that far north. I've been to Fairbanks a number of times in my life, but I'd never ventured more than an hour north on the road. And I was quite impressed with the minimal footprint of the oil and gas industry in the land. And I know that it can be done environmentally uh, conscious. And right now, you know, oil and gas is the Alaska, is Alaska's uh, sole source of revenue. And I think we need to uh, continue to develop that and other uh, development projects in the state. We need I, jo- we need jobs. I worked in the oil and gas industry for, for a year and didn't work on the slope directly, but I went, went up there a lot. It's incredible. I mean, you know, it's like you look around and for, for miles and miles, there's nothing, you know, and there's a drill pad. And it's, um, I think for folks that go up there, you see kind of the, the, the true kind of lack of impact really when, when you start to produce the oil. You know, that really struck me. And when Carter uh, passed the lands bill in uh, in the 70s, you know, I think there were a lot of people down south that felt like they'd locked Alaska up into a park. And for people that live here in Alaska who are trying to uh, have development projects, many of us have, or many people have run into roadblocks uh, with uh, litigation uh, because of all the different lands uh, that were designated in, in different categories, such as you know, wildernesses, parks, um, state land, federal land, native land. Uh, and I think there needs to be a better mechanism and less regulation uh, with respect to our ability to build roads and have development. For example, the, the Zembeck Road mm-hmm. is a great example of that. So um, running for Senate, you know, it's a, it's a big undertaking. Have you um, got support or talked to folks outside the state or have you been... Because I know you've been talking about this. I first heard about this maybe three or four months ago. So, all right. And then I've also heard maybe just rumors around you can you can self fund a lot of it. Are you going to do that? Or I don't know how much no, money I you got. It's a big, 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 expensive campaign. So. You know, I can't self fund a lot of it. I will be putting some of my own money into it. I've worked really hard. I, I took out a loan when I was 14 and bought my first commercial fishing boat and uh, fished in five different fisheries all across the state and put myself through college and medical school. And then I worked really, really hard as a doctor in Juneau. And so, yeah, I, I never said I didn't do well. The system was set up for me to do well. And I was a hardworking, good orthopedic surgeon in Juneau back in my hometown. So, of course, I did well. And so, yeah, I, I plan on putting my um, money where my mouth is because it's important to me. Uh, and I'm willing to step up because I care about the state. I do have uh, a number of contacts down south uh, through many of the um, activities that I've participated in in my life. I went to college in Massachusetts. I went back to school. I left my practice after 20 years in Juneau and went back to school to UCLA and got a master's degree in public health to learn more about our healthcare system, both in our state and our country. And, uh, And along my way, I've been fortunate to meet a large number of people down south, and I hope to uh, draw on my national contacts to help uh, me and my campaign. But I, more importantly, am uh, drawing on my Alaska contacts because this is my home base, and I'm doing this for Alaskans because I care about the state. I know it's a long ways off, and it's it's hard to say what's going to happen. But when when Mark Begich, when Dan Sullivan ran against Mark Begich, you know, there's a lot of PAC money and outside money coming up here, and with Citizens United, um, you. Are you concerned that's going to be another issue um, with big, big money? Because, I mean, I think before that, the Senate races in Alaska were relatively kind of cheap compared to California, New York, or Florida. And the 2014 race saw, uh, I think it was something like $50 million got spent. It was a lot for, for Alaska. 
Yeah, that that's actually really daunting, and the least appealing part of running for office is having to raise money. And I am uh, an opponent of Citizens United. I think it's terrible and has destroyed um, the one-person, one-vote concept, and people can buy elections now, or corporations mm-hmm. can buy elections, and I think that's wrong. Um, you know, I think that needs to be changed. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I actually got involved last year in a, a PAC, kind of on a local level here, lo- legislative race. I Somebody wanted to support somebody, and I got behind it and involved in it. And it's crazy, you know, because this money, and it was a relatively small small race um but no one knows where the money comes from i mean the, the average voter sees a mailer or a tv at a radio they don't really dis- differentiate if it's the candidate's money or a group's money or one person's money so i um i, I would hope there's a effort in the future in the congress to overturn citizens united because you know one person can put 10 million dollars into a race if they want to yeah i mean well look in the school board race here in anchorage just this last go around, I, Americans for Prosperity dumped sixty five thousand dollars into that race, and I just think that's wrong. Yeah, and there was that group from uh, there was a group from Virginia too that was putting money into a couple of the candidates, like forty grand. Yeah, pretty but, bizarre, Virginia. You know, but unfortunately, involved. yeah, I'm going to have to raise a, a, a heck of a lot of money, and I may end up having to use PACs to do that. Uh, because Dan Sullivan comes from a billionaire family in Ohio, and he, in my mind, represents uh, big money, big interests in Washington, D.C., and the only way I'm going to be able to beat him is if I can raise enough money to mount a good campaign. And I, I believe I can do that, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be uh, completely true to myself in order to do this because I need to raise the money in order to get there in order to overturn Citizens United. So the other question is, let's say, you know, you go forward, you become the nominee and it's uh, you and Dan Sullivan. It'll be it'll be a presidential year in Alaska, which, you know, typically kind of votes Republican. Um, have you thought about it all? How to how to because you're going to have to get Republican votes to, to be able to win You're That's and there's more undeclared nonpartisans in Alaska than there is Republicans or Democrats. So, yeah, I've thought about it a lot and I think I can win. You know, I'm a hardworking Alaskan who is busted my butt on commercial fishing boats throughout my life. I still have a gill netter and fish in Southeast, although I leased it out this summer to a friend so that I could run for office. I understand where hardworking Alaskans are coming from because I've been there, done that, you know, and I also understand that healthcare is a problem that transcends parties. And there are almost as many uh, concerned Republicans about our current system as there are Democrats. And so I think I have two issues that appeal to hardworking, independent, uh, or Republican and Democrat uh, centrists that are looking for change and looking for someone to step up and lead this state because Dan Sullivan certainly isn't doing so. So you're looking forward to I mean, it's going to be about, I guess, a little over a year and a half, I guess, campaign. I'm I'm really, really excited about this. And I decided to do this almost two years ago. Uh, after the uh, the healthcare vote in the Senate, as I said, that really triggered triggered me to step forward, and I moved to Anchorage uh, a year, almost two years ago, to start exploring this. Uh, I got invo- involved with healthcare advocacy, and I really see a window f- for victory. And I've been working my butt off for the last year and a half, meeting with people all across the state, and most recently traveling, literally all across the state for the last two months. And I think I have a good window to win. Are you still practicing, or are you st- I'm actually still employed by Petersburg Medical Center in a part-time capacity, and 
uh, for well all the way back to dating to 1995 I've gone there and done visiting clinics and minor surgeries in Petersburg once every couple of months and I'm still employed by the hospital there but I've given them a temporary leave of absence so that if, I can run I, for office if I go down from this heat in this room maybe you can revive me because <laughs> you believe this heat we've had this last week it, it's terrible and Juno's been in I think in the 80s all week you know catch can and wrangle have been off off of hydro on um, on um, diesel hmm. uh, this spring you know I, I I'm I'm seeing a lot of warning signs about our changing climate. It really worries me. So you mentioned that a few times. I mean, is that something else you're, you're concerned about? Oh, I'm very passionate about climate change. Alaska's ground zero for it. We're seeing the biggest changes in Alaska uh, than anywhere else in the country. And I, I think we need to look really long and hard at this issue and figure out a, a path uh, that works for Alaskans. You know, villages are falling into the sea and rivers. Um, mm-hmm. We're ex- experiencing drought conditions. Uh, our oceans warming up, and I think as a fisherman, I'm very concerned about the status of our uh, or the health of our oceans. And yeah, I think we need to uh, study this, do as much research as we need to do to know um, how to to understand a pathway out of this. And I'm a big proponent of renewable energy. I think that it creates jobs and it lowers energy costs. And this is a major thing that Alaska should be working towards. So uh, one thing I want to ask you before, you said you were a commercial fisherman. What kind of fish? You said different kinds you were? Oh, I've done almost everything. I started off hand trolling and then got into power trolling and long-lined. I long-lined in the Gulf. I persaned in Southeast. I gill-netted in Bristol Bay. And then I even took a year off after high school and fished on a Norwegian longliner for cod in the winter for four months. Oh, wow. So you... That was a crazy experience. I bet. Oh, so, you... so you said you worked in Mexico and New Zealand and Canada. Were you just kind of... Visiting? No, I didn't you... work in Mexico. I, I got sick in Mexico and was hospitalized. Oh, so that, that's a good way to I, see I ate, a system. I ate some street food I probably shouldn't have gotten into, and I got real sick. Um, at, at one point, Monica and I, um, because I wasn't getting a chance to spend time with my kids, I have four really amazing kids. I was going to ask you if you have any Which kids. we haven't talked about, but I'd love to. Um, but uh, after about eight years, Monica and I took a trip with our kids, and we ended up in New Zealand where I did three weeks of orthopedic surgery, uh, as I said, with t- two of the finest guys there. And uh, for me, and so, yeah, I, I was, I've, I've seen healthcare systems in other countries. How'd you, how'd the Mexico thing fare? Did you get, get better? Yeah, oh, I got better. I had two days of IV antibiotics in the hospital oh, man. and it was a private hospital. And I think the bill for that after two days was about $700. It's, it's like, in Alaska, in America, you walk in, it's like, hi, 700 bucks you know, before you even do anything. So you said you have four kids? Yeah, I have two boys and two girls in that order. Um, my oldest is 28. My youngest is 21. And my oldest is getting an MBA in, in Chicago. Uh, my uh, or His younger brother is starting medical school here in Alaska. I was going to say, any, any doctors in the uh, You yeah. bet. Uh, Evan's going to start medical school here this fall, he got into the Whammy program, and then his younger sister Ari graduated from Harvard last year and joined the Peace Corps, and she's in Zambia, um, oh, wow. working on women's health care and HIV education, and she won't be back for a couple of years, but we talk to her almost every day. And then Lexi, or I should say Ali, um, she is going to be a senior at Bowdoin, and she's a computer science major. And I should note that all four of my kids busted their butts too. They all worked a minimum of five year minimum of five years commercial fishing and put themselves through college as well. So I'm really proud of them. 
they are hardworking kids. They've all done really well, and we've got a great relationship with them. Gee, obviously, you talked about the uh, running for Senate. What they, would they say about that? I have. Well, two years ago when I mentioned to them, they sort of looked at me like I might be crazy. <laughs> uh, but since then, they've really come around, and they're 100% behind this and very, very excited. Well, Dr. Gross, I appreciate you uh, do, doing the podcast. I'm sure we'll have time to do more down the road. Um, it'll be a busy year and a half for you. So you're, uh, we're do- it's a Monday here. It's July 1st. So you're, you're, sounds like you're going to file pretty soon. I heard. Or I'm going to, I'm going uh, to the division of elections tomorrow morning at eight o'clock, and I'll be filing papers with my wife Monica. Well, and, and let me just uh, put in a plug for Monica. While I, we didn't really talk about her much, oh, yeah, but, no, absolutely. but she's an amazing woman, and anybody that knows her would say that. And I would, uh, I would call her my, my secret weapon, really, because she's, uh, she's smart, she's beautiful, and uh, she really gets things done. She's a pediatrician. She was my surgical assistant in Juneau for many years. She's an amazing mother and has gotten very involved in the community in Juneau. And then when we came up to Anchorage, she became vice president of the United Way and was in charge of their homeless project. Uh, their, I'm sorry, the homelessness uh, uh, grant administration and since then has joined Agnew Beck a consulting cool. firm here in Anchorage. Is she still doing medicine or no? No after she and I went back and got master's degrees in public health at the same time and I think she worked very briefly clinically in pediatrics while we were going to school but since we returned back to Alaska after school she hasn't done anything clinical. Well it sounds like um, you got a lot of medical in your family so if anybody ever gets sick, they're going to be taken care of. <laughs> well, I come from I come from a family of lawyers. Actually, my sister's a lawyer. My dad was a lawyer. He passed away last year. His father was a lawyer. Um, my cousin, a, my cousin's a lawyer. So actually, I'm I'm the the black sheep in the family. Your dad probably would have been a good podcast, huh? Yeah, my dad would have been a great probably podcast. Got a million, he, million stories. About he was a wonderful guy. Well, again, thanks a lot, Doctor Gross, and uh, you know, best of luck. We'll be watching you here on the campaign trail and. I think next year it'll really start to pop off when there's a lot going on with the presidential race. So, Well, thanks, Jeff. This thanks. is, this is a, a great opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. And yep. I'm just really, really excited to uh, go on the campaign trail. And so far it's been tremendous meeting people all across the state and listening to the issues that uh, confront them and solutions that they propose. You know, and it's regional specific. People have different problems in different places. We have a very large very complex state, and I think I understand that because I've worked and uh, traveled in two major industries in the state in a major way, and I feel like I've got great connections with people all across the state, and I think that's a big part of why I think I can win. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll do it again here down the road, so thanks again, Dr. Gross. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. Have, right. a, ni- have a nice night. Yeah, you too. Um, all right, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me down the road, give me, let me know, and we'll talk to you next time. Let's